for home buyers in San Francisco to afford a starter home. Uh, you're going to need to shell out 110% of your income. <laughs> yeah. Aki, do you think you'll ever be able to buy a home in San Francisco? Oh, my gosh. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Bloomberg Benchmark, a podcast about the global economy. It's Thursday, March 31st. I'm Aki Ito of Bloomberg News, joining from my hometown of Tokyo. Also joining from D.C. is Tori Stilwell. Tori, it's been a while. Hey, Aki. How's it going? Good. It's, it's so good to be back on the show together. I know. I missed you. I know. I miss you, too. Do you want to know what my mom said about you the other day? Yes. What did Mama Ito say? <laughs> so a, a couple days ago, she finished listening to our recent episode on China's ticking demographic time bomb. And that was a show that you weren't on and Dan wasn't on either. And she put her earbuds down and she was like, you know, like, I like listening to you. OK, like, you're fine. But I really miss Tori. When's Tori coming back on the show? <laughs> <laughs> Your mom's being way too nice. <laughs> She's probably quite like, the I fan haven't club. heard that, like, high pitched, squeaky voice in a while or that really annoying laugh I need it back in my life (laughs) she loves you it's it's just you know it's great to hear your voice again oh you too Aki (laughs) well you know speaking of my family um, they're a little sad right now because my time in Tokyo is coming to a close for our listeners if they remember I'm in Tokyo right now because of a job swap Um, it's just a three-month assignment in Tokyo and then I go back to San Francisco And when I was living in San Francisco, I was living with these two guys right by Alamo Square. Tori, do you know where where Alamo Square is? I do not. I've been to San Francisco, but I have no idea where that is. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like the backdrop of Full House, if you remember that show. Oh, with all the the painted ladies and the (laughs) houses and stuff. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's like a really beautiful, really central part of the city. It was rent controlled. It was the best deal ever. But I moved out of my place uh, when I left the city um, to come out here to Tokyo. And when I go back to the Bay Area, my girlfriend and I need to find a place together when I get back. Tori, do you know, what do you know about the housing market in San Francisco? I know that it gives me the hives to think about moving there. Well, that's the nightmare that I get to go back to. Um, (laughs) So that's today's topic. We're going to be talking about the affordability crisis in the housing market. And I guess we're going to focus on San Francisco because I think it's a really good microcosm of what's happening in a lot of cities across America, even though San Francisco is probably like the the worst case scenario. Yeah, especially out west. I think that that's been a, a big point in recent years because we have seen housing markets in places like Seattle, Portland, um, markets in, in California really starting to heat up and, and that could have really bad implications for the housing market. California really truly is great though. I, I can see why everyone wants to move here. Cali vibes. <laughs> well, Tori, should we run through some of these numbers to set the stage for our listeners? So the listing price for a median starter home in San Francisco, and so by starter home, we mean the cheapest one-third of homes out there, is currently $714,000, which is absolutely mind-boggling. 
It's higher than any other city in America. And for that, you could buy 40 homes in Detroit. Uh, we just got the S&P Case-Shiller Index of Property Values on Tuesday. And San Francisco is once again in the top three for home price gains. It was up a little over 10%. And that's almost double what prices nationally are doing. Actually, Portland came out number one here. They had an 11.8% gain in the year ended January, which is just crazy. You know, to go back to that Trulia stat that you just talked about, for home buyers in San Francisco to afford a starter home, uh, you're going to need to shell out 110% of your income. <laughs> so that's every single cent you earn, which would leave you no money for food or leisure or anything else. And then you also have to scrape up 10% from like the ether. So I guess that alone really shows you just completely out of reach homes are in San Francisco. Yeah. Aki, do you think you'll ever be able to buy a home in San Francisco? Oh my gosh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tori, I think a lot of our listeners don't live in San Francisco, so why should they care about the affordability crisis here? I think that it's important because we're learning a couple things from this, right? So we know that San Francisco has a really tight job market with pretty good wage gains. Obviously, tech is, is centered there. So we know what it looks like when we get this improvement in employment and things start heating up a little bit. Now, I don't think that uh, that means that cities all across America are going to see 10% growth in home prices. But we okay. do start to see what it looks like when an economy is getting better and when employment is doing much better and how that can feed into housing, how it improves demand for housing. So naturally, prices are going to increase. And that's especially the case if inventories are tight. And that is a problem that we're seeing across the country right now. We have very low inventories for houses for anyone, whether it's starter level, mid-level, even top tier. It's easier for people to buy those homes if they're even looking at top tier homes. But the inventory levels (laughs) are down and that does push up prices. And that makes it harder for people like you and me, Aki, who are young, who are just starting out in their careers, etc. And they want to save up money to buy a home. It becomes a problem because A, they've got to come up with this down payment. And if your thinking is, okay, I want to come up with about 20%, I mean, 20% of $700,000, like there's there's just no way I'm going to be able to save that up. I think it's a really important reminder of why we don't want home price growth to get out of control and what sort of factors play into that. And, And I think a big one that we'll talk about a little bit later is regulation and how zoning ordinances can affect the supply of homes that people can buy. So, Tori, one of the things that kind of surprised me when I moved back to Tokyo um, from San Francisco was just how affordable everything seemed in Tokyo, which is crazy, right? Because you think of Tokyo as this like super expensive place. But at this point, I feel like San Francisco might be a more expensive place to live. And one of our producers, uh, Alec, found this really interesting index that came out from an organization called 
Demographia, and they put San Jose and San Francisco in the top 10 of the world's most unaffordable housing markets, which I found really interesting, and, and Tokyo wasn't in that top 10. Well, we have a great guest to help us make sense of all of this, Ken Rosen, who chairs UC Berkeley's Fisher Center for Real Estate and Urban Economics, is on the line. Ken is also the chairman of the market research firm Rosen Consulting Group. Hi, Ken. Hi. Good to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Ken, I was taking a look at your CV, and and you've been with UC Berkeley since 1979. Is that right? Uh, Yes, that's correct. You've really seen the Bay Area go through so many transformations, so many waves. So I guess like my first question is, when you think of how unaffordable San Francisco housing is right now, is today unprecedented or have we seen other times like this too? Uh, we have seen other times like this. When I first arrived here in 1979, uh, it was uh, very expensive relative to other places in the country. And then we had a period of time where it, it did not, it got a little bit more, relatively more affordable. The least unaffordable period was actually in 2007. Oh. The number of people who could afford to live in San Francisco itself, based on their income, uh, was at a record, uh, record low. And of course, we did have then the big housing correction uh, that followed, which made it more affordable again. Mm -hmm. You know, the question everyone is asking is, what's going to happen over the next year or two? You're you're very well known across California for your forecasts. So will things calm down or are are things going to get worse in San Francisco? So we we have a problem in San Francisco, and the problem is a good one. We've created uh, in the Bay Area 579,000 jobs since the bottom of the recession in 2010. And that's a huge number of jobs and especially in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, there's basically a lot more jobs being created than housing being put online. So we've had a 40% increase in rents in the last four years and between a 30 and 50% increase in house prices. And uh, those have outpaced the income growth because so many people have moved in and we can't build enough fast enough. Why Why is that? Why Why aren't people just building more to accommodate this demand? Uh, it's, the Bay Area is one of the most difficult places to build housing in the country. Part of it is due to the geography itself, but part of it is due to the regulatory process, that local communities are disincented to add housing because of Prop 13. They don't get enough tax revenue to cover the, all the expenses that are associated with it. So it's very difficult to get permits and, and approvals to build uh, in many cities. So even though we're building quite a bit, uh, it's not at all going to keep pace and has not kept pace over the last 30 years with population growth. So uh, the house prices here have gone up dramatically relative to the rest of the country and as of the rents. Ken, right now I'm in uh, I'm in Tokyo, but it's just for a three-month assignment, and then I go back to San Francisco. And my girlfriend, until pretty recently, was managing a bar in the Mission, which for our listeners is kind of like the hippest area of San Francisco right now. And the cooks and the servers she worked with definitely couldn't afford to live in the city unless they were in places that have been under rent control for many, many, many years. And I think there's a lot of anger around how unaffordable life is in the Bay Area as a whole. And, you know, there was that New York Times article a couple weeks ago about how people in the city are, you know, almost rooting for a downturn in the tech sector. So as an economist and also as a Bay Area resident, I guess, what would you say to people like this who, who are 
you know, just so angry and disappointed about being displaced? Well, I would say that part of the reason this is happening is that uh, many individuals you've mentioned are the same people who vote against new housing, vote for supervisors who don't want new housing production, and think the best way to stop this is to make it hard to build. Also, they put in rent controls uh, and rent stabilization, which, again, uh, prices aren't high enough to get new production built. So the very people who are complaining are the people who really are the citizens who prevented the solution. But there was an initiative recently that didn't happen that tried to stop building in the housing in the mission area, thinking that would help. That makes it worse. But displacement, unfortunately, is part of the success of the economy. And uh, it's unfortunate, uh, but it is a side effect, and there's no way to stop it through regulatory processes. And the Bay Area is going to lose a lot of people who are going to move elsewhere where they can afford to live and with the salaries they get, live nicely. It's really difficult. It's not only for servers, but it's for everyone from lawyers uh, to teachers to policemen and firemen. It's not just uh, waiters and waitresses. One of the aspects of this debate that's so interesting is it it actually kind of damps productivity when you have these housing regulations that prevent new housing from being built. Like you said, Ken, um, people who are from Peoria, Illinois, I think is the example we like to use on this show. Peoria, Illinois, want to move to San Francisco. They think they found a job there that they'd be really good at that matches their skill set very well. But because they can't afford the housing there, they can't move there. It doesn't make sense for them to do that. So it actually makes our job market a little bit less efficient than it otherwise would be. And it ends... Sorry, go ahead. Yes, you're absolutely right that the housing shortage has produced a labor shortage here. No question about it and that it makes the economy much less efficient. But companies may respond by moving some of their jobs elsewhere, to Austin, Texas, to Colorado Springs, to Denver. So that's one of the things that is going to happen, is that people will move, but companies will also move. Because if you can't basically make a living here after paying your housing costs, you're going to do that calculation and say, uh, I need to work elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And the fastest growing places has been San Francisco and Silicon Valley, but other places are growing rapidly are Austin, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, Portland. So there are lots of the great places to live where there are great jobs, uh, and some of those jobs are coming from the Bay Area. You know, across the country right now, I think, Tori and I were going through some numbers earlier about how the inventory of affordable housing has just plunged in a lot of attractive cities, especially in the West. And and so a lot of our favorite cities are becoming unaffordable. Does that worry you? I think the fact that housing costs have gone up faster than incomes is what you're talking about, and that is uh, mm-hmm. a problem in many places. Uh, especially as wages problem. have stagnated, uh, just generally in the well, U.S. that's actually not is to the medians have stagnated. But if you look at the, this, is, it's a nationwide phenomenon, not just in the West, that rents have gone up faster than incomes. And this is a, it is a big problem. But the solution, of course, uh, is not rent control. The solution is build more housing, and we are doing that in a lot of places, so that rent growth is more modest. And my prediction going forward is rent growth is slowing dramatically. In the Bay Area, we expect rent growth is going to be 
four to five percent instead of ten percent, and many other parts of the country it's going to drop to three percent. So rent growth is going to slow, and hopefully as the economy strengthens, income goes up more rapidly. But it is a problem. Uh, we have almost no housing policy in Washington. That's part of the issue. No leadership at all. We have a very difficult time for people to qualify to buy houses, which is part of the solution. Uh, we have very low interest rates, so it's a great time to buy a house. But for a mm-hmm. young person or young family, credit is very tight still because of the last crisis. And we have a, a leadership void in Washington on housing policy. Yeah, I think, I mean, speaking of Washington, I'm I'm based here, there, and um I think we're actually starting to see a little bit of what you you talked about earlier, which was we had this big run up in supply here. A ton of millennials are moving to Washington. And so builders really took note. And there is, you know, a new high rise going up every week, it seems like, of apartment buildings. And they're, I mean, they're filled with yuppies. It's fine to say it because I am one, but they're filled (laughs) with yuppies. But it has had the effect that our rents haven't been growing as quickly. Quickly. Even home price growth here has had a lid on it. I think it grew about 2% in the year into January, which is lower than that's, the U.S. overall. And so Washington correct. is actually a place where the supply has responded to the demand, and it's actually worked out for the better. Yeah, and I think that if you look at the number of rental housing units being built nationwide this past year, it was 371,000, which is up 100,000 from normal. So the market is working but it takes a long time, and it doesn't really help that bottom 25% of the income distribution. Unfortunately, they are in jobs that don't pay well, that uh, don't uh, have the ability to have that wage growth that you need. So I think the solution is not housing market. It's labor market, and it's also education. Because uh, yeah. if you do have, uh, again, a college education or, or, or more, uh, you can get a higher-paying job, which gives you more income. If you don't have a high school degree, it's really hard in this economy to make ends meet. And it's a, it's a, it's a very sad thing, but it's true. Wow. Well, I think Tori needs to run now, but Ken, before we let her go, um, I'm about to start my apartment search in a month when I go back to the Bay Area. Do you have any advice for me? Yes, I would say if you can do it, uh, look at the East Bay. Uh, you can probably save $1,000 a month and take Barton okay. into San Francisco. If you want to live in San okay. Francisco itself, maybe you can find someone who's got a rent-stabilized apartment who can take you in as a roommate. Because, again, a, a big part of San Francisco is sheltered from this because people have rent-stabilized apartments. So their rent has gone up very slowly. Uh, also, people who have an existing house are sheltered by Prop 13, which keeps their property tax at years-ago level. It goes up 2% okay. a year. So they're also sheltered. So the Bay Area has, in essence, some implied subsidies for a lot of incumbents who are here. A new person coming in is the one who bears the burden. Or, Aki, you could, conversely, you could just come up with, like, the next greatest technology invention or dating app. I would love to become the next Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, great. I hope that helps. Thank you. 
So I guess taking all of this into consideration, the numbers really are against me. It's no longer just this kind of hunch, but can still give me a lot of really uh, good pieces of advice, I think. My girlfriend and I will definitely probably end up living in Oakland and we'll try to find a place that is under rent control. And I think it comes down to just the fact that, you know, I love the Bay Area. And so to live there, I'm going to have to live with a couple sacrifices. So anyway, with that, we've come to another end of a Benchmark episode. Thanks again to everyone for listening to Bloomberg Benchmark. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and other platforms. While you're there, please take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And let us know what you thought of the show. You can talk to us and follow us on Twitter at Tori Stillwell and Aki Ito7. See you next week.